Hello and welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 105. I am your host, Noah Rochetta, and today I am talking about another Zen koan. Uh, this one is called Open Your Treasure House. Keep in mind you don't need to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use it to learn to be a better whatever you already are. I've been reading through some of my favorite Zen koans uh, recently, and I thought it would be fun to occasionally pick some and talk about them in the podcast. Today I'm going to talk about one of these koans called Open Your Own Treasure House. So a quick reminder, the point of a koan comes from Zen Buddhism, is it's a riddle or a story that's meant to make you think. Uh, perhaps you can say meant to make you stop thinking. Uh, sometimes it's presented as a riddle that uh, tries to set you free from the habitual reactivity of the mind. Something that would normally make sense suddenly doesn't make sense, and in that chaos or in that unsolvable riddle, uh, there could be a moment of awareness or enlightenment. And there are all kinds of koans. There are hundreds of them, and you can find books that talk about them and, and share these stories. Um, and I have one, and that's what I was reading tonight, and I thought it would be fun to talk about this specific koan. So the story goes that Daiju visited the master Baso in China, and Baso asked, what do you seek? Enlightenment, replied Daiju. Uh, you have your own treasure house. Why do you search outside? Baso asked. Daiju asked, where's my treasure house? Baso answered, what you are asking is your treasure house. Daiju was enlightened. Uh, ever after, he urged his friends, open your own treasure house and use those treasures. And that's it. Another quick little story that has that presents a concept. And in this one, to me, I like the, the, the key phrase here is, uh, what you are asking is your treasure house. To me, this is a, an invitation to compare the difference between the questions that I have and the answers that I seek. And to notice that the, the treasure that I have inside is the question itself, it's uh, essentially, a greater treasure for me than the answers that I'm seeking, because the answers come from the outside, the questions come from the inside. And this reminds me somewhat of that phrase that I've uh, mentioned on the podcast before, that what you are seeking is who is seeking. To me, again, this is an invitation to go inward and to find in ourselves our own treasure house, and then more importantly, to open that treasure house, to open, open up the questions. Um, and this, this has been a fun process for me in my own personal practice to see the treasure of the question as a more valuable treasure than the value I was assigning to the answer that I thought I was looking for. And I've mentioned this before, how my personal journey or, or like my spiritual quest of wanting to understand these big things uh, evolved from prioritizing those answers, what the answers could be, to just seeing value in the question itself. Why do I want to know? Why, do I, why does uh, the question matter so much to me? And the more 
I've come to understand the questions that I've had, that I have, the the less interested I've become in the answers. The answer almost doesn't matter anymore. I don't even know that I would care to hear an answer uh, because the question itself has given me so much to work with and so much to digest and to understand about myself that I have found in that process of analyzing the question something that seems much more valuable to me than the answer could have been. And I think that's at the heart of what this specific koan is trying to get at. Um, so I, I like to think of this in terms of the skillful art of asking questions. Maybe not asking questions, the skillful art of being introspective about our questions. I, I, I feel like it's common for us in our Western way of thinking to be inquisitive and and to focus a lot on answers. I mean, in school, we're taught this from a young age, right? We have questions and then here are answers and here's here are the formulas that you follow to go from the question to the answer and you get the answer and it's like, hooray, and you get awards and you get graded over it and, you know, all the emphasis is put on the answers. And I think that's great. I mean, the fact that we can answer difficult questions uh, has led us out of the stone age, so to speak, and into this digital age that we live in, right? Because because of our ability to answer difficult questions and to uh, focus a lot of attention on the answers. But I, I do feel like on, a, uh, on an inner spiritual tra trajectory, we've paid, we're, we're paying a price um, for having the mindset that sees the treasure in all of this as the answer rather than, than, than seeing the treasure of the question. And on the, and in my personal experience, again, with, with these big, deep questions about life or uh, questions I have about myself, about others, I have found that the question itself is the treasure. And what I mean by that is, you know, when, I, when I'm confronted with a scenario where questions arise, um, it can be at times satisfying and, and skillful and useful to find those answers. But oftentimes, like I said before, it's the question itself that really ends up being the, the treasure at the end of the, of the quest. And uh, for example, this morning, uh, my wife went uh, to, well, I guess I should go back. My wife was taking a trip today to go back to Utah to do some business uh, work with her dance studio uh, auditions that they have. So her plan was to leave for a couple of days and then she'll be back on Friday uh, this week. So I'm home with the kids alone. And uh, in preparation for this trip, um, we've been trying to sort out the steps required for her to leave because I'm a Mexican citizen, but she's not. She's an American citizen and she's here under a temporary residency visa. So once you obtain that and you're in the country, while it's pending, you can't just leave the country without having a letter that authorizes you to leave the country. So she booked her ticket to go back home to the U.S. and and then started this process at the immigration office to be able to get her letter 
of permission to leave the country. And we did, you know, we thought about that ahead of time. We did all the paperwork necessary to do it. And she received uh, the email a couple days ago that said, it's been approved. Now you just have to stop by the immigration office to pick it up because you have to have that letter. So last night she's packing her bags and around 10 or 11 p.m., you know, as we're talking about the next morning, she it occurs to her that she never went to pick up the letter and she just as you can imagine gets really stressed and freaked out about it and 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 I did too because I thought oh well you can't leave like if if you leave you put in it, it it's guaranteed that they will close down your uh, immigration case and you have to start all over and this was a process that we had that she had started back when we were in Utah and she went to the Mexican consulate to start the whole visa process and it's like oh this is just gonna really complicate complicate things and it's probably not worth risking risking this so we started trying to find solutions to this because she had to wake up early and, and go straight to the airport and the immigration office doesn't open till nine and there was no way to be able to squeeze squeeze that in on the way to the airport so we started looking at other flights and of course, to leave the very next day, you know, when you're looking at flights, they're really expensive. Like the, the cheapest solution was to just get another flight, but that's $1,600 and it just wasn't a feasible option. So what we were facing at this point was the decision of just canceling the trip and her not going. And she was really stressed about that. And, and her tendency when she's stressed about stuff, she she goes very hard on herself and she's talking about how she's such a failure and why you know why didn't I uh, see this coming and why am I so disorganized just being really harsh on herself and I was reminding her you know I, I know what that's like too I've, I've done that and I didn't think about it uh, I, I missed out on this too we, we both dropped the ball um, so that's where it started and and then the, the solution ended up being that uh, she called the airline and the airline said they could delay or not delay they could put her on a later flight and that worked out well and it's totally surprised it was JetBlue and she's become a JetBlue fan for life because of this because they only charged her $75 to get on the later flight and made it super easy and within minutes they had emailed her the new itinerary and she would be on a later flight allowing her to have time in the morning to run to the immigration office to get the uh, the letter that she needed so we wake up this morning, she goes to pick up that letter, and then uh, I'm waiting outside. She finally gets it. That process was stressful for her because um, she was counting down the minutes. We needed to leave by like 9.15 in order to make it to the airport in time, and the office opened at 9, and she was running out at 9.15. Um, but you can imagine how stressed she was while she was up there waiting to do all that. So she was already on edge, gets in the car, and we start driving and again, she's just going off, being really upset and down on herself. And um, and at this point, it's becoming difficult for me because I'm thinking uh, I don't I don't want her to to feel so bad. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm I'm also stressed about this whole ticket situation and this whole letter situation and everything that we're dealing with. And now we're stuck in traffic, and I'm racing to try to get her to the airport on time. I finally get there just a couple minutes past the deadline of when you're, you know, you're supposed to be there a couple hours early when you're flying to um, an international 
on an international flight. So I drop her off and then I turn around and I start going. And this whole time our, our youngest, who's three, she's sitting in the back and she's she's really upset because she hasn't eaten and she's crying and she's like, I just want to go eat. And I said, okay, we're going to go. I'm going to pull over and we'll find something. And I'm doing all this as I get back on the highway and my wife calls me and she says, um, my passport's not here. And at that point, I just pulled immediately pulled over and I was like, are you serious? And we start looking around the back seat and no, it's not there. And then I look in the front seat and there it is on the floor. It had slipped out of her backpack where she had all of her documents. When she opened the backpack to verify she had all the documents, the backpack had tipped over or something and, and the passport fell out. So suddenly I'm racing back to the airport to give her the passport. Long story short, she made the flight. It was stressful, but it, it, it all worked out. And I, by the end of that whole ordeal on, on the drive back, as my daughter's just really upset and crying and really hungry, and I was feeling flustered and, and just feeling all these emotions arise. And that was a moment where I had this opportunity to find, to see, uh, you know, the, the t to exercise the skillful art of, of analyzing these questions that arise in me. Why do I feel this way? And in that moment, uh, it occurred to me how much more skillful it was that I'm asking myself, why does, why does this bother me? Like it all worked out. It may not have worked out. And it, had it not worked out, then the trip would have not happened. It, I mean, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. Um, but as I'm sitting there thinking about this, I thought that's kind of cool that my, my, uh, the habitual question that arises now is more along the lines of why am I feeling this way instead of what could have been, you know, the older uh, version of me uh, in the past that would have been thinking, how can I get rid of this feeling? Because I'm feeling really uh, uncomfortable with circumstances at the moment. And I would have been thinking, how can I get rid of this? Oh, I can distract her. I can do this. I can, uh, I can uh, say something rude like, oh, you need to get your stuff together. Or, <laughs> I don't know. Anything that would have made me think, how do I get rid of the feeling, would have been different than the train of thought that arose out of the question of why am I feeling this way? Why does this bother me? And, and the introspection that took place on the drive home with regards to the feeling that arose in me. Um, so that was, for me, a fun moment to recognize the treasure, the opening your own treasure house and saying, this is the deal. This is what we just went through. This is how I'm feeling. It's an unpleasant feeling. And then to sit with that and say, why, why am I feeling this? And for me, this moment was actually a very uh, powerful moment because I was able to, to get several layers deeper. Like it's not about the passport. No, it's not about the letter. It's not about the what is it really about. And I got to something deeper, which was in this specific case, it was recognizing that the discomfort I'm feeling with this whole situation as it's unfolding is that it, it's sad for me to see my wife be so harsh on herself. And, you know, she texted me once um, she got through security and she was apologizing profusely and said something along the lines of, I always mess stuff up like this and make dumb decisions that uh, cause stress and uh, it makes me hate myself inside and out. And that you know, that really stood out to me thinking, wow, how could you hate yourself over something simple that anybody could have done? Um, and my response was, your only flaw 
is thinking that you have a flaw or thinking that you're flawed. Yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Your only flaw is that you think you're flawed and uh, reminded her uh, just of other instances in, in our lives where chaos ensued after uh, um, a mistake or a poor decision. And it reminded me of, of how I felt on our wedding day. Um, we went to get married and I forgot to bring the marriage license and we were getting married um, in a in a religious ceremony ceremony where you have to present the marriage license and it was scheduled we had a room set apart everybody was there waiting and the can or the the wedding was suddenly on hold because I forgot I didn't realize I had to have the marriage license everything got delayed but at the end it all worked out but I'll never forget how I felt that day and it's like oh welcome to day one of marriage with the most stressful events up until that moment um and I, I reminded my wife of that. Uh, but what I'm trying to get at with this, again, pointing it all back to this koan, open your uh, your own treasure house. To me, it, that's a direct invitation to compare and to find um, the treasure that we assign, the value that we assign to the questions that we have versus the answers that we seek. Uh, because no doubt you have your own sets of questions and you have your own sets of answers that you're looking for. And do you, you know, how do you weigh those on the scale? Are the answers more important to you than the questions? And if so, what would happen if you tried to focus a little bit of that attention and to see some of the value of the question? And and this is kind of where Buddhism kicks in again, where, you know, the the non-duality aspect of this, like, how could the answer be so important and the question not be so important when you cannot have the answer without the question? You know, you can't have one without the other. And I love that way of thinking that just puts things, that the way of oneness that kind of puts things into perspective that, well, the, the question is as important as the answer. And what happens when the question becomes your treasure? And hopefully... Um, as I continue to practice that in my own life and the different aspects of life where questions arise, I hope that just as it did with the big existential questions, suddenly the question became, the question is more valuable to me than the answer, and I'm not even interested in the answer because the question tells me more about me, which is the inside, than the answer could ever tell me, considering the answer is always on the outside, something from the outside. So that's what I wanted to share with you with this specific um, koan, open your own treasure house. Now, I thought it would be kind of fun to end this podcast with one more koan, but instead of deconstructing it and telling you my opinion of what that koan means to me, this time I'm just going to share the koan directly as it is and not say anything about it and let, let you stew over it for the next week and see see what it means to you. I, w- I probably won't mention it in a future podcast. It'll just be a koan. <laughs> so here it is. It's called No Water, No Moon. When the nun Chiyono studied Zen under Buko, uh, she was unable to attain the fruits of meditation for a long time. At last, one moonlit night, she was carrying water in an old pail bound with bamboo. The bamboo broke and the bottom fell out of the pail, and at that moment, Chiyono was set free. In commemoration, she wrote a poem. And the poem says, In this way and that 
I tried to save the old pail. Since the bamboo strip was weakening and about to break, until at last the bottom fell out, no more water in the pail, no more moon in the water. That is the poem, that is the koan, no water, no moon. Have fun with that one this week. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode. Uh, I enjoy being able to share my thoughts and ideas with you guys, and I, I really appreciate you being a part of this fun journey with me. If you want to, want to learn more about uh, Buddhism and mindfulness, you can always check out my books. I have them listed on noahrosheta.com. As always, if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, feel free to share it with others, write a review, give it a rating in iTunes, um, and if you would like to make a donation to support the work I'm doing with the podcast, feel free to visit secularbuddhism.com and click on the donate button. That's all I have for now, but I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. May you open your own treasure house and see the value of the questions. Until next time.